Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna start recording right now because I feel like we always uh, we always <laughs> do all the good shit, and then we're like, oh, fucking, all right, let's hit record. <laughs> I think you're right. How you doing? I'm 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 good. The cat's good. The dog's good. Uh, how about everything else negotiable? How about you? Um, yeah, I'm still a little jet lagged from uh, the 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 10-day LA adventure and up to Eureka, and uh, yeah, and we have turbulence to the level where it dropped 200 fucking feet in the sky and woke up to a lady screaming 30 minutes outside of austin so that was fun uh and it's we're in we're in like yeah we got an ice storm so today is just a shutdown day but i yeah I, I figured today would be a good day to catch you inside today's great yeah um and i have no shows until fucking march so that's wow. that's weird and good and all the things you know part of me is happy part of me is like ah but i got stuff the, the working on the book stuff is is definitely promising you got a lot of good interviews in the bag out there awesome awesome well um talk or don't talk about the book as much as you want to because i won't talk much about it i'm trying to keep it kind of under wraps aside from the fact that it's a thing we will be broadcasting this conversation out to i don't know maybe nobody i this is <laughs> this is very much the um very much just a trial run to see the i mean I don't know if I want to do this. Do I want to do this? Talk me out of this, man. The um, I will not talk you out of this because you're going to be good at it. And you're going to get some good uh, conversations just by the nature of the people that you know and the fact that uh, you're thoughtful and a triple threat in terms of uh, different things that hearken your interests and also you can count as careers. So, I mean, you could, you could one of the few people I know that could talk to a writer and then a musician and then someone that uh, refurnishes a 59 Fury <laughs> on an equal footing with all three. So uh, I'm not gonna talk you out of doing it. I will say, keep it uh, consistent, but also not at a level that drives you nuts. So don't do it multi-times a week. Maybe start by doing it twice a month, uh, something like that. My biggest mistake with my podcast was and I, I know you're not going to believe this, but sometimes I'm over ambitious about things. Get out of here. <laughs> and, uh, hey doc. And, um, so I started by saying, I'm going to do it twice a week and it's got to be consistent because people rely on it. And that's how you build a podcast. Doc says hi. Um, and that was true. And then it bit me in the ass because people demanded it twice a week. And then I'm like, I can't, I just did one, you know, it's like too much to do. And yeah. so that was unsustainable. But uh, I mean, do you have a name for the podcast or is it just kind of before we go any further? The I mean, I think eventually once I get like a structure or whatever, the, I, I will record uh guest intros at the end. Yeah. Um, but for right now, uh, here's my guest intro the uh, <laughs> you know, him as the the uh, the ghostbuster of punk comedy. The, uh, <laughs> the... <laughs> I, <laughs> Want to do the, I want to just do the fucking straight bio thing of like the godfather of punk comedy, but I, I, picture, you, I picture you more as like uh, Flint from Jaws, uh, except yeah. that like a grizzled old tabby cat with one eye. Um, yeah. the, the Flint from Jaws tabby cat of punk comedy, the um, one of the hardest working people I know, uh, earnest undying commitment to uh, subculture, independent business, uh, you know, DIY the um and one of my best and worst friends uh, <laughs> <ever sat. laughs> uh so welcome to this not being a podcast ever the yeah. um i am unsurprised that you um that you tried to do it twice a week and then that was too much 
the yeah. um yeah. because that's that is exactly you, you bite off more than you can chew and you chew it the yeah. um but you've so you've shelved your podcast now is that indefinite is it done is it well yeah i shelved it because you know it's called the road podcast and by the nature of covid if there's no road then the podcast ceased to make sense to me to do it wasn't yeah. that i didn't necessarily i was done with it it was more um you know, the nature of, of what it is, is that it needs to be remote. And I would record places and experiences where I was out doing them. And so when that went away <clears throat> for, you know, a year and a half, it seemed to be like, this is pointless. And also I feel like, you know, I moved it from a basic podcast setup to a Patreon setup. And uh, on the plus side of doing that, I was making money instead of having it cost money. Cause at a certain point I'm like, I'm doing all this work and my numbers were really good as far as listenership. I don't really good. That's, a, you know, what, what does that mean? They, they were, they were enough that people were paying attention and I was like, okay, there's a reason to do this, you know? Um, and it would help, I guess, get the word out about my tour dates and stuff like that. But by and large, I'm like, it was still for hosting and all the other bullshit that goes into it. It was costing me a couple hundred bucks a year. And I was like, for the effort and the tangibility, I'm glad people like it, but it's, I have a lot of stuff going on and it's costing me money. And so when I switched over to a Patreon thing, I make money at it now, you know, it's part, well, then, you know, as I was doing exclusively as a Patreon thing, but my listenership obviously dropped low. So it was that thing of like, well, I'm reaching a way smaller audience, but those are diehard people who are more likely to come to a show and all that bullshit. And also now I'm making even a couple hundred bucks a year. It's not money I'm spending. I'm making it so I can justify it a little more time. Um, long tail on this kite, but I mean, once I decided during COVID, it was a pointless endeavor. Um, <clears throat> I shifted my Patreon to a toy based Patreon, which was a bit of a shift in audience, of course, but ultimately more people came in to join the Patreon as the toy aspect of things than as the, the road podcast. And coincidentally or not, about, I think, I don't know, four months after I stopped doing the, the podcast, I still maintain the URLs and everything because the road podcast is a pretty good URL to have. I was amazed I got it back in the day. Um, Tony Blank at Next Week Rocks, which is a, an online platform of digital streaming stuff that he launched, uh, approached me about doing a, a, an online comedy show and I didn't want to do an online comedy show. All those Zoom shows, I, I tried it once. I hated it. Um, yeah. But I said, well, what about the concept of a talk show? Because that's something I people had always told me I should do because I, I feel pretty comfortable interviewing people. And I know a lot of people um, that other you know folks may not have interactions with and might be interested in talking to. And so I always liked the concept of Paul Provence's Green Room, which was a show back in the day. I think it was on HBO. Uh, that was just a little round table conversation with comics largely but i wanted it to be more you know artists of every stripe so uh, you know i had like on one episode you could have jex blackmore who was formerly of the satanic temple and a really great feminist and uh talking with you know <laughs> uh brian Posehn, who was also talking with david yao you know from jesus Lizard. like i wanted something unique like that where because comedians talking to comedians talking to comedians has been done and also it's kind of a circle jerk at a certain point where unless you're you know all in on that world it can be a little redundant and boring honestly this, this is one of the things that i struggle with too is that i feel like you know when it comes down to it the you know 
artists or at least the artists that we know were we're creating out of a fear for our own deaths. You know, we're, <laughs> we're trying to make something that's that's going to live on, you know, like whether you do it subconsciously or, or you know, or unconsciously. And, you know, I, I you know, you look back to whatever the, the fucking 1800s where there, there's, you know, or 1900s where there's all these epistolary novels where it's just like, oh, these are the these are the letters that these two writers or these, you know, these two lovers wrote yep. back and forth, you know. And then we in our world now we've moved to these conversations where um I still have every birthday card I've ever gotten from my mom. That's awesome. Um, yeah, same. Yeah, the, my grandmother's birthday cards. Yeah. Yeah. The but like the the Facebook messages and the texts, um I've saved some old voicemails and stuff like that, but it, it's, it's like we've moved to a, a scrolling model where the, the new conversation overwrites the old conversation and stuff like that. And it's the, disposable. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. Like a text is, you can save a text, but there's no way, you know, if that person passes away or whatever, it's going to mean as much as if you have a signed birthday card from your mom. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's just not, it's just not the same experience. And I've saved voicemails as well. And, you know, even I look back, you know, because I used to use a little hand tape recorder for some interviews I used to do for the podcast and whatever. Some of those people are fucking dead. You know, like I have audio of Lux Interior from the Cramps talking to me and Jay Retard and just people that are not here anymore. And that's it's kind of haunting in a way to listen to those. I don't listen to them very often when I do it kind of I don't know how I feel about it. There's a part of me that feels creeped out. And a part of me that's like, this is important. You know, like this is a document yeah. of a person that is not, you cannot, re- you cannot talk to this person anymore. And so um, I, I've also, I don't know, I, I think the fact that you and I are firmly grounded in the concept of our mortality. In that- <laughs> I was going to say, I was looking at the clock. I was like, it took us like 10 minutes to get to death. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, the fact that we're, you know, we're... <laughs> For for guys that don't wear eyeliner, we're both pretty fucking goth. A lot. Of <laughs> we wear time. eyeliner on the inside. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, um, I but I think that awareness though is a partially why you and I are prone to. And spoiler alert to anyone listening: I don't think we're going to wake too much here, but prone to existentialism and crisis of existentialism because we know that our time here is temporary. And the whole well, what the fuck is the point? Comes into play a lot. Whereas some people, I'm sometimes jealous of folks that seem kind of oblivious to the fact that they're going to get hit by a bus someday because they, they don't dwell on it. They're just like, well, oh, whatever, you know, um, maybe that's simplifying their experience. I don't know. But I know that you and I are prone to the staring at the ceiling and just contemplating the what with all uh, a lot. And I think that's just an artist's stripe. But also the fact that there's a strength in being aware of that, too. Because like you said, like sometimes voicemails, you know, um, your mom, I know, so I just had a 75th birthday. She's kicking ass down in Spain. You know, my parents are in their seventies and they're doing well. Uh, and you, but despite, you know, scares and reality checks now and again, whether it's COVID or just health stuff as people get older, uh, I have saved some voicemails just knowing someday I'm really going to want those voicemails, you know, which is a little yeah. morbid, I guess, but also it's awareness, you know? And I think, getting to the point of what you were saying with the work neither you nor i and we're the only ones in this conversation so that's the only people that really (laughs) have meaning in in terms of like bringing in other people but you or i uh, I, we're concerned with the body work we're going to leave behind 
but I think it's just because we want that to be quality and not that we need to be remembered in a level of hero worship or anything strange like that. You know what I mean? And then I also think about the age difference of, you know, there's people on TikTok right now that have more views and more ears and eyeballs than you and I have ever gotten in our entire careers and probably ever will get. And they've been doing it probably two fucking months and they might lip sync to whatever, right? But that's a lot of audience. However, that goes back to that temporary thing of, are people gonna look at a fucking TikTok after that person's dead? You know what I mean? If they die tragically, they might for a little while and then it's just gone again. Whereas a book or a record or a comedy album are, I don't wanna say forever, but they're, they're a solid document. Um, well, there's like a time capsule document. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, I don't know, there's, I have a million responses to that. The I just watched the polystyrene doc, which oh, is- Oh, wow, I haven't that, seen it yet, but she's- Oh yeah. my God, go, go see it. I, I went to see it last night with Sari and like, just almost cried in the theater because it was, from the moment she opens her mouth, you hear- uh, you hear Kathleen Hanna, you hear Karen O, you know, you, she was, you know, she was so iconic and um, just, you know, her voice, her voice and her presence and her spirit uh, affected so many people. The, um, and they, you know, they do a thing where they go through the sort of like the top of the pops, you know, the, the rankings yeah. and, you yeah. know, you know, show where X-ray specs were. And then like some of the bands above X-ray specs, you, you, we've never heard, I've never heard of, uh-huh. you've never heard of, no one's ever heard of. So those yep. are the, you know, so in some ways, those are the kids on TikTok, you know, the yep. X-ray specs yep. created something that's not, not that, not just something that's endured, but also something that spawned a fucking million bands, you know, mm-hmm. and, and taught, you know, a, um, a ton of 15 year old girls, you know, moping in their rooms to like go and fucking scream it in the garage instead, you know, mm-hmm. um, the, but there's also like, dude, you know, I just went for a run with the dog and I was thinking about like, oh, fuck, I haven't got anything done today. Like, oh, I, I really need to work. I need to get this book finished and then I need to start the next one. I need to like get those demos to Lanigan and all this shit. And I looked down and Sadie's like got the leash in her mouth, like tugging it and like looking at me. <laughs> and I was like, man, I'm I'm so fucking obsessed with like having a life after my death. I'm fucking missing this. This is the most important thing that will happen to me all day is my dog taking the leash in her mouth and being like, come on, fucker, let's go. Right. You know? Right. But that's twofold because I don't think that your main motivation for getting all those things done is just, you know, the, the body of work you're going to leave. I think it's also, you have commitments to people you respect like Lanigan and, you know, your book publishers and the general, you know, you have uh, um, your Kickstarter going right now with the publishing of the physical collection and that's you have responsibilities to people so that informs it more so than i think like my drive to get this before i get hit by the bus is so great i'm gonna skip the dog run you know what i mean yeah i think it's just a matter of being responsible and so many fucking people aren't responsible i'm jealous of them too i you know there's times where i wish i could just say ah fuck it you know like why do i need to you know i i opened up applications for the altercation comedy festival on tuesday and you know i had foolishly uh, knew I was, well, I was like, well, that's February 1st, right? That's the beginning of a month. That's when you do it. But I was flying all day fucking Monday. I flew half the day on Sunday. It's coming off headlining all weekend and being away from home for like 10 days. And so I didn't get home till like fucking nine o'clock Monday. And then I had to implement like, you know, collect your information software into the website to collect all people's applications and billing process. The, the and admin. 
all this shit. Yeah. And I woke up, you know, whatever, 10 a.m. the next morning. And I had all these DMs from people saying, I can't find the link. It's my, it's February 1st. Where I'm like, the day hasn't even started yet, much less it is done. <laughs> and so part of me was like, fuck you guys. Like, it's calm down. But also part of me is like, well, you set the date, asshole. So you're responsible for <laughs> strangers to do it. And so, you know, I got it up and running by, I think, 5 p.m., which is still firmly Tuesday, you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, also all day, you know, I went out with my mom to lunch because I haven't seen her in two weeks and stuff like that. And part of me was like, yeah, but, you know, these open micers are depending on you to get this open because you said so. I'm like, what if it what if it hadn't opened that day and opened Wednesday? What would have happened? Yeah, not much. You know, like would the comedy police come down on me hard? I think they would have just been like, he's a little busy. Yeah. uh, Jay Shinoin chimed in on that thread. Oh, good. Yeah, he said, he said, knock off everybody. He smokes a lot of weed and has been traveling. <laughs> well, the other thing is that you you travel on like Randy's discount airlines. <laughs> where you're like well, strapped I, to the wing with a bunch of chickens. Like, yeah, I did. It's funny you say that because part of the, I, I'm so stupid like that, but it all ultimately makes sense, you know, because I was like, well, the fly. So I just headlined in Eureka, California, which is way the fuck up in Humboldt County, almost Oregon. And it's like, you know, not close to anything. And um, I was like looking at flights, the airport is tiny. And I'm like the fly there from Austin, it would be like two stopovers and it would cost me like 500 bucks. I'm like, well, then I'm like, that's a lot of money to eat just to get there, you know? And like, I'd still make money, but that doesn't seem like a smart play. But I realized flights, there's a little puddle jumper, take the wings together, brand new airline that I can fly from Burbank, which is Hollywood area, round trip for 75 bucks and i was like all right that's cool direct it's a one hour and 10 minute flight and i'm there i'll just come to la earlier because flights to lax are cheap but you know the the, like the price versus cost dilemma right okay (laughs) Okay. then what i do is i justify (laughs) but then i'm like oh well i have a new book project i want to talk to people about so i'll just come into la a little early and you know i was filming a thing with tom rhodes and i can see my buddy up eddie pepitone and stuff and so you know, but then I'm there for fucking eight days in LA doing other work, which mm-hmm. is fine, but it's, you know, there's a degree of hotels and Ubers and stuff. And so, yeah. you know, would it have been ultimately cheaper to just fly direct to Eureka? Maybe, but also I got a way better experience out of going into LA earlier and doing all these things. So it's, I don't know. It, it's, <sighs> yes, I do. I, I have been burned by these cheap ass dumb flights. I, 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 I can't believe you're actually in Austin right now uh, yeah. at fucking Frozen. I that, like that was, but, I, but again, I flew home from LAX, so it yeah, was, yeah. Um, the um, how Not was uh, how was Eureka? The th- that was one of those rooms that I did with uh, Christine Levine, where we had great night, great show, and then could like never get an email back. And well, it's it may not have been you. It's super weird up there. Yeah. Uh, very nice. Uh, the comics and the promoter, Chris, who brought me out were super nice. Uh, Savage Henry, it's wild. I, um, Savage Henry is a comedy club and comedy festival up there. And it's based off a magazine called Savage Henry Magazine, which is kind of like the West Coast stoner version of National Lampoon. Uh-huh. It's like a humor magazine and very smart. Um, and I had forgotten this guy, Isaac Cozell, is a comic who now is based out of New Orleans, interviewed me like 10 years ago for the fucking magazine. And that's how I'd first heard about it. And so somehow I'd never gotten there, you know, like 
you know, well, you and I toured together forever. Like there's a very small amount of cities that I haven't been to. Um, I'm sure I've driven through there, but I've never stopped in like Humboldt County proper. It's and I'd seen that documentary on Netflix, Murder Mountain, which is just like about the, the weed outlaws and fucking maniacs on ATVs with shotguns and stuff. And I was like, oh, well, this will be a good story. I need to get up there. And I heard the club was good. And so, but it was, it's a strange scene. I mean, it's very artsy. It's very transient because you get a lot of uh, dudes that look like Rip Van Winkle going up there to work on weed farms and they just go yeah. back. It's kind of like the new carnival, really. Is that, yeah. you know, or, 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 you know, migrant workers or, but so you, there is somewhere, it's like the Lollapalooza of cherry picking or something. Yeah. And so you basically, you can roll into town. The thing people kept telling me was like, there's a lot of hitchhikers, like old school, thumb out, yep. Rutger Hauer <laughs> hitchhikers. And I was like, well, that is that weird? And then I got up there and I was like, it is weird because there's stretches <laughs> of just woods and redwoods and fucking mountainous terrain and like you get all sorts of terrain too which is neat you have like you know the the mountains of oregon in the distance and then you have the water of uh california and then the redwoods and then other strange looking they put in trees eucalyptus trees it's uh, like a theme park yeah it's fucking crazy as far as terrain and the cities you know so there's two cities that are sister cities there there's eureka and then 10 minutes away where the airport is is arcada and Arcata is a little more of a town square and Eureka is a little more spread out and a little more destination-y. And so we went to Eureka for lunch one day in the town square, there's like fucking shirtless hippies playing hacky sack and literally a drum circle. And I was like, wow, it was like central casting. Um, but that being said too, there's a weird air of menace. Like there's an underlying darkness up there that is, you know, the, the shows were fun. I didn't have any assholes. Um, the first show was light. It was like 20, 25 people. The second show was like 80% capacity. And both shows were fun. Um, the Fuller show had some talky people at the beginning. I thought I was going to have to, you know, lean into and fortunately didn't. But yeah. there was also was a weird mix of people. It was like some college kids. And then there were some dudes that looked like they could have been in a militia, you know, and they had a very aggressive not not an antagonistic vibe and they were cool with me they're very friendly but there was a vibe of like these these guys have kicked people's asses before you know that you can just tell like the capacity for violence and so um yeah i don't know it was and i walked one night they put me in this airbnb and there's like four uber drivers that shared two cities so i wasn't going to do that they were unavailable and so i just walked to like uh fast food that was i don't know quarter of a mile away and that walk, I was like, oh, this is treacherous. This is a bad idea. Because there's a lot of like homeless, but homeless that are like, you don't see them. You know, like I was like, I was walking back under an overpass and I was like, oh, there's, oh, that's a footpath. Like people are sleeping right back there. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there's territory shit. And there was certainly, you know, we went to a bagel shop. I, I feel like this is us like sliding into the new America though, where everything is like, uh, either a scene from uh, It Follows where, yeah. where you're waiting for the thing to show up or a scene from fucking, you know, The Road, Cormac McCarthy, you know, where yeah, that's what it felt like. It felt, more, it felt more like The Road where they're hiding in the ditch just because the rating, you know, the people are just walking by and you just tell bad mojo. But also, yeah. you know, you, you were in New York City. I've, I've been spent plenty of time in New York and various cities. So I can easily switch into that 
city mouse thing, especially when I'm by myself. You know, I just put my hoodie on. I yep. kind of puffed up my shoulders a little bit, put my kind of air of don't fucking talk to me, you know, <laughs> because I'm going across the street and you can't turn around, but you see six homeless dudes and their dog and one of them's yelling at a trash can, you know, like it, it yeah. can be like, yeah. a, all right, you know, but I didn't have any problems, but it was a weird environment. Um, and the shows were fun, but I think it's just such a destination spot. I don't know. Yeah, I I mean, were your sh- was the show good? Like, did you have a good response, or was it like I didn't I don't even know uh, what counts as good well, response. I mean, there, I know? I remember having um having a good show, having a good response. I I feel like it was one of those things where like I had a great show and then didn't sell a single fucking piece of merch. Oh yeah, something Same. like that. I sold like two you shirts know? the whole weekend. They just yeah, they're yeah. very but, happy. But I mean, you you and I always like talk about that. It's like trying to forecast the weather, you know, in the van as to like how the show is going to be, what the, you know, what merch sales are going to be like and stuff like that. I think a lot of them were, uh, were Christine's fans, the, you know, so I, I, I did fine, but they were there for her. The, um, let's, um, let's talk a little bit about your, the, your zoom TV show, the, the talk show. Are, right. are you going to continue with that now that you're on the road? Um, how do you feel about that versus the podcast? How did you pull that together or put your stamp on it and how how has that solved the riddle ahead of me <laughs> as to what <laughs> how or what to do you know yeah. with you know this well, I don't... therapy session we're recording <laughs> <laughs> um well yeah so i mean part of the thing that the epiphany of why i said yes to the online talk show thing was that i was like oh i can call it the road live and i can keep kind of the road brand going um and so now, you know, that URL goes to this road live thing. And so I, it was very important to me. I, I, you know, everybody was not Tony, you know, my producer totally got it. But a lot of people were like, well, if I miss it, when can I watch it? I'm like, you can't. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? I said, no, it's a live thing. It's a live stream. Be, and then, you know, I archive it, but you can't see it after that unless you see it live. And they're like, what? Like, they were like, what the fuck? That's crazy. You know, and I was like, you're missing the whole point. Because the whole point is to make an experience that is in the moment. And, you know, somebody could say something that's fucking bonkers, but it's not going to show up on YouTube later. So it gives the, the artists you're being interviewed a more relaxed platform to say really what they think and not something that's going to be locked in cement. For the this, whole- is, this is the thing is that the, the stuff that we want to create that's going to last forever, it has become just scrolling and then the shit that we say that we want to be ephemeral, like the show we did for you here, where I was like, no, I don't yes. want to record it. I don't want to stream yep. it. If you want to see it, you come, you show yep. up, you know, yep. the shit that we want to be ephemeral. People want to see that on YouTube and, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, you know, I do have an archive of those things because it's important to me to have them for some reason, you know, at some point, like um, I didn't want them just to go into the ether and then be gone because it's important, you know. But I like also, you're, you're, you're like, wait, you guys can't watch this. You can't yes, see it, but I'll just, I'll, I'll be like, yes, tenting my fingers like fucking Montgomery yeah, Burns that's, that's just correct. watching you. That is correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, you know, it was the type of thing people really responded to it. I, it was partially because of lockdown. It was, it became a social thing where people that didn't know each other, but were knew me. Uh, started to know each other, you know, because they could interact in a comments thread and, you know, it was in real time. And so you look forward to seeing, it's like meeting up at the bar, you know, except you're in your house. And so I got a lot of regulars. Um, I, it was very important to me also to have a, because everyone was struggling to have a, um, a beneficial 
aspect to any sort of money with it. So we did a, a charity aspect of it where a percentage of every show, whatever the money came in, went to either Austin-based mental health uh, outreach for performers or uh, cats and dogs animal rescue. And so, you know, we raised a decent amount of money throughout the year for that, which felt good. And the best part though, was really um, having these artists that I'm, you know, some of them I'm friends with, some of them I just know peripherally enough to get on the show, but having like the singer from the Black Angels meet Lydia Lunch <laughs> while meeting, you know, Mike Wiebe from the Riverboat Gambler or something like that, where, yeah. or, or like having like a Chad Daniels, who's one of the funniest motherfuckers in the world, but he's born and raised in Minneapolis or Minnesota, you know? And so his, he's got very Midwest sensibilities in many ways. Uh, and having him meet the head of the satanic temple <laughs> who's having like naked rituals while still yelling about abortion rights was an interesting, you know, everybody got along. There was never any weirdness. Um, or having, you know, David Yao get to interact for the first time ever with Raymond Pettibon was, you know, shit like that was like, this is fucking, this is why, this is worth doing, you know, because those experiences are, it's not just a talk show with people hyping their new record. It was like, a, you know, a lot of times people didn't even have anything new to hype. They were just there. We, um, we talk so much about like fucking the evils, of the internet and Facebook and iPhones, and this is the worst possible timeline. But, but I mean, the truth is that we have the tools now to do all those theoretical conversations of if, you know, Raymond, Raymond Pettibone and Lydia Lunch and Mike Weeby were all in the same room at the same right. time, what would they say to each other? Yeah, you know, exactly. like that kind of shit, you yes. know? And it's the benefit of they're in their home imbibing whatever they want to imbibe in their most comfortable private setting. Not the three of us are meeting at a cocktail party and you have that awkward kind of, ah, you know, yeah. you're, you're most relaxed in theory uh, as a performer can be. Um, so yeah, it just really, it was satisfying for me. It gave me an outlet to do something that was conversational and on my feet, but not comedy specific. They were often very funny and I had a lot of comics on there, but I didn't want it to be, comedy you know i wanted to give myself the out of having a serious conversation if that's how the way how it lent itself and so i really liked it um we ended up doing two seasons and i said yes to a third season which i was hoping to start in january but uh my producer tony has been going through a nightmare scenario he had his house remodeled and he's gotten to this crazy lawsuit with like the builder and the whole nightmare thing and he he had a him and his wife had a baby you know, so they got like a newborn kid and all this craziness. So they've been dealing with a lot of just like in between, he's not in his home studio, you know, he doesn't have access. And then also the nature of, you know, well, we'll start it in January because that's my slowest month. Well, <laughs> uh, luck slash unluck would have it. I got offers with Eddie Pepitone and I to do a bunch of festivals in Toronto and British Columbia and places I haven't performed. Uh, but then of course COVID wave hit and that fucking scrapped all that. So my schedule was chopped and diced and uh, just kind of rolled into this terminal. I don't know what's going on. And so much like in COVID, when it first started, I kind of grabbed the reins and said, all right, take control of your own destiny. I can't control all these other outside factors. Uh, I'm going to concentrate on some toy work and I'm going to concentrate on working on a new book that I had. That I recorded my new special to just threaded the needle in December. I flew to Florida to tape for 800 pound gorilla. So that finally is in the can. And so that allowed me to also be like, all right, now I can think about other projects. Yeah. Um, and that when, comes when's your special out? 
it comes out, uh, it's on a serious satellite, and I think some streaming shit exclusive on the 18th. And of this the, month? Of February, yeah. Oh, okay, uh, great. And then it comes out worldwide on all digital platforms the 25th, which is the last Friday of February, uh, called Swamp Beast. And then um, it's a full hour on 800 Pound Gorilla Records. And then I, you know, my deal with them is strictly digital. And so there's another label um, that is going to put out in conjunction with them uh, vinyl uh, over the summer. So we just are sending that to the pressing plant now. And uh, fortunately, it's, yeah, it's, gonna, it's taking like a year to get vinyl pressed anywhere right now because of all the backups yeah. and everything. But uh, it's an Austin-based company that is only taking on Austin clients so it can keep it more streamlined. So it's only like a five or six month turnaround. So oh, should have vinyl by the summer, which is pretty cool in theory. Um, so, so yeah, man. I, I, so technically, yes, I'm signed on for a third season, but I don't know when it'll happen, to be honest with you, because... One of the other things is as, as things were opening up, I was like, well, if I'm going to launch it in January, I'm going to move it to like a Wednesday or a Thursday because all my comic friends are back in the clubs. They're working on the weekends. Yeah. And people are going out to things again on the weekends. Well, cue the new wave of variant <laughs> and all that shit goes back to zero again. And it's like, well, now I could do a Friday easily. But I don't know. I, I was doing it twice a month with my schedule. That felt like enough and also a lot sometimes. Cause you have to set up all the guests and do my research and, you know, um, just I, Tony handles a lot of the technical stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know when the next, I'd, I'd like to do another one. I just don't know when that'll be, you know, realistically. The, and how does all this answer the question of what the fuck do I do with whatever it is that I'm trying to do here? <laughs> the, like, when I think about when I think about podcasts and I think about the podcasts that I like, mm-hmm. there um, I don't like cult of personality podcasts where it's just like welcome to the Mishra Shivali experience, you know. Right, uh, right, right. Um, the but but also um, I, I love this British podcast, uh, No Such Thing as a Fish, which is just a, a trivia podcast. Um, but most themed podcasts, I feel like they're so laborious, mm-hmm. um, or there's, yeah. there's podcasts that rely on a specific thing, you know, that just feels like, uh, you know, the onion used to have that feature of justify your existence where they would just throw that yeah. at hands and it just feels like right. cruel. Like you're just giving it like a fucking, <laughs> uh, a worksheet, you know, the, well, it's also uh, limiting, you know, cause yeah. if you like it, cause if you theme something out as, you know, whatever, uh, sobriety or you can you know pivotal moments or whatever these things you know, childhood whatever themed out thing well then you're limited kind of in a sense that can be good because it, it, it if you have an hour then it, it narrows the scope and you're not all over the place but also if you have an hour there's other shit you might want to talk about with that person and then it just goes out the window because you're trying to stay on point you know and it also limits your audience to a degree of you know if you had a, a podcast all about distance running i would watch it occasionally listen to it occasionally because you're you and i know you and i like your other stuff but i'm not interested in distance running at a certain point you know what i mean so there's a yep. limit and and i'm and i'm someone that's already super engaged and wants to check out your stuff so it's um i think you're right to kind of keep it fairly broad um but yeah i mean i, I don't have the answer also there's a reason why there's so much this is over <laughs> you know but then i see stuff that you know like 
my buddy English Matt and I do this monster movie mockery and Matt knows more about horror movies than anyone. That's and that's saying a lot because I'm pretty knowledgeable. Well, Matt is a fucking encyclopedia. And, and then I see like these podcasts, um, you know, some of the like, last podcasts on the left and stuff that are either talking about horror crime or, or I'm sorry, true crime or like horror films and stuff. And I just am always thinking, uh, my friends could do this much better, but they just did it first, you know? And, and so there's the concept too of like, like sometimes hitting a niche makes sense, you know, cause they're all playing very big venues now doing this live. We're just going to talk about horror movies and true crime shit. Um, I guess it all depends what you want out of it. Do you want it just to be uh, a thing where it takes off and you're known as Mishka, the, the podcast guy, or do you want it to be something that is just another arm of the octopus as far as something cool that you do because your people mainly know you as the writer and musician you know that's what i think i, I mean honestly at this point it's i i think it's just an excuse for me to talk to my friends because yeah, I, I, I feel that's like okay. the i feel like you and i only ever call each other when we're um concerned that the other person is suicidal or mad at them yeah and thank you for that because <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse than the person that calls too much. It's funny because a, a good friend of mine is Ryan from Off With Their Heads, this band uh, uh, I toured with a bunch. And I always call him Grumpy Cat. You know, he's just like the most uh, dour motherfucker. But we relate on a lot of mental health issues and we're good friends. But also there was one time I called him and he was just like, what? Or I think it went to voicemail and he texted me back. He's like, dude, we don't have a talk on the phone relationship. I respect you. <laughs> and that made me laugh so hard because I knew exactly what he meant. You know, it's like my, one of my best friends, Bry, I've known him for close to 30 years. And he always said, you know, he said, if you call me, I know something is fucking serious, you know? And so, and you and I, yeah, I, you know, we talk when we can, we have that spidey sense too of like, okay, he needs, he needs a phone call. Yeah. Um, but you know, it's uh, yeah. It's like call call me if somebody has died or if you need to borrow money and otherwise fuck. Yeah, or if you're stranded somewhere or something. You know, something that matters. I mean, but I have friends that are, you know, will be like, and they're good friends, but they'll be like, yeah, let's let's conference call or let's do it. You know, let's FaceTime. And I'm just like, no, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I, you know, like we're texting right now, and I'll see you when I see you. We're not dating. You know, like yeah. I'm fucking. Um, so yeah, I appreciate that. But I, I totally understand too the what you're saying as far as like it's a good way to keep in touch. And that was part of the appeal of the talk show. Was that I mean, you, know, I think, you know, that's the thing is that I, I feel like it's a very like New York thing of yeah, not having time for the bullshit and not yes. having time for the for the fucking runaround. But the but I realized too that a huge part of our lives when we were on the road was being in the fucking van together. Absolutely. And and it's like the yeah. I don't I don't necessarily want to do shows with Kyle shut, but I want to be in the van with him for six hours a day. Like yeah, that yeah. would, that would be the money shot for me, which is because I don't know him very well, but I really like the dude yeah. um, or, you know, or like Weeby or fucking anybody from the gamblers, you know, right. of like, I, yeah, I would, I would do a tour with them just to, I would even do shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would go, I would submit myself to the misery of booking, promoting and performing shows just to sit in a enclosed capsule moving at high speeds in, through dangerous terrain to have those conversations that just unspool the way yeah. that you do. And the adventures that surround the gig. You yeah. know what I mean? Cause it's like that, that was something the Eureka thing too, that I noticed. Cause usually, you know, I, 
I approach it very much. If I'm in a city, you know, I was up there for three days. I flew in a day early just so I could, you know, have my head on straight for two, because I was doing over an hour a night. Um, and I said, you know, if I'm going to be up there, I've never been there before. It's new experiences. I'm going to check out, you know, some bookstores and stuff. And I did a little bit, but also there was plenty of time where I was just like, I just need to chill. I'm just going to stay in this nice Airbnb house and, you know, relax and just not, I didn't feel the need to go see the fucking redwoods or like, you know, get out there and maximum soak up everything Eureka has to offer. Um, I was like, I, the downtime was, was kind of okay, you know, which is new for me also. I'm usually like, I gotta go see everything that's here because who knows when I'll get back. Um, but the concept of the show, all the stuff that surrounds the show, you know, when I think about you and I on tour, the gigs very rarely play into it. You know, those are the things I remember. Oh, was like, you know? It was everything else. Yeah, yeah, it was everything else. And the ones that I do remember are like the fucking Hollywood show where the guy ran away with the money and I fucking almost got into it with the bartender bitch and, you know. And, yeah. Uh, like yeah yelling at each other from the stage oh like, god yeah and it was horrible and brendan walt was there and i was all in my head about oh god he thinks i suck and you know all this stuff and those are the shows that i remember not the the largely good unremarkable ones where we got paid you know? yeah <laughs> no I, I i know like i i you always know, have the well-meaning um you know promoters who are like oh man i'm sorry it was so weird tonight i was like are, are you kidding you can't buy weird these days oh like, dude you fucking put a good show on for me that's well attended where everybody listens and everything goes well i i will not remember i won't i don't remember it now i won't remember yeah. it tonight i erased it immediately it's yeah. just like a, a fucking you know closed circuit tv you know, vcr loop in a convenience store it just immediately starts rewriting but the yeah. bad shows the weird shows the fucking nightmares i will take those to the grave with me you know like, yeah, i will carry that burden the rest of my life <laughs> i think about all right what, you know, what's a show you and mishka did what immediately pops to mind me fucking getting a nosebleed on stage in the middle of wherever we were uh fucking was tempe arizona or somewhere strange and um i think it was scottsdale or something and just bleeding out everywhere but still doing the show and having anthony decimito hand me a fucking bar rag that I used to stuff on my face until they handed me paper towels. It was like, that's, you know, and then doing the podcast afterwards with still, you know, fucking tissues up my face with some local comedy fan guy. And so <laughs> those, those are the things there's like, Oh, that's what I remember. Um, which I, is good though, but, but that, but that shared adventure is the, the, I totally get it. That's absolutely the, uh, the payoff more so than the actual gigs, but it's hard to say, Hey, do you want to just ride together to weird places for a week? <laughs> I know, that's nothing creepier. Like, <laughs> let's go for a ride. You I know we don't talk together? on the phone, but <laughs> like, like the, you know, the old joke about the, uh, you know, the serial killer leading the kid into the woods and the kids like, and this is scary. And the serial killer's like, quit your crying. Like I have to walk out of these woods alone. <laughs> <laughs> nice classic the um you know and one of the things like about as one of the reasons i, I forced myself to hit record right away before we got through like sort of all the, the beginning yeah. stuff is that um jake flores and i would do these runs where we were like basically podcasting together the entire time in the van 
you know, with breathing fucking carbon monoxide and it was so loud we're just shouting <laughs> at each other like, I don't know, I feel like she doesn't care about me anymore. You know, like just <laughs> and uh the and then when it and then we got time to podcast, it's like we were either trying to to recreate this magic that had happened organically yep. in in conversation when we were on fucking two hours of sleep or whatever, or the um or trying or, or like sort of acting it out or recapping or retelling um, mm -hmm. instead of just, you know, having it happen, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's why I always bugged your van so that we would have at all times live audio. Of everything. <laughs> that was every, every emotional breakdown, every time we yelled oh, at a cameraman, uh, every time you lied to a cop. <laughs> <laughs> that, man i there are still people like bugging me now about like oh you know when are you back on the road are you coming through you know fucking when are you coming through olathe kansas or whatever the fuck right. you know that mm -hmm. um and i i just oh i get like the fucking heebie-jeebies thinking about going back out on the road and the it's just self-abuse man and and not yeah, but that's time. that's what they call clarity you know because that's that's yeah. a, that's a gift in itself of that you know this isn't where I want to be with it right now. And, you know, until you have that, you get that message from someone from Duluth and you go, Oh, I haven't been Duluth in a while. I should fucking go out there and see these three people that'll come, <laughs> you know, or, or whatever, or roll the dice on, they'll bring friends and it'll be fun until you get that little like bolt of excitement from that concept. Don't go to Duluth, you know, fucking shelve it for now. That's, that's the thing I was talking who I don't remember who I was talking with. Uh, one of the comics I spoke with this past week out in LA, and you know, it's, they're professional, it's their job. And you know, the concept of during pandemic, um, how many comics just folded and just went back to school and now they're a nurse or whatever the fuck. And I said, you know, let yourself miss it. It's okay to not do it for a while. It's okay to, you know, that, that that's fine. I mean, I, I coming out of pandemic, I was ready to record this special. And also I was like, I don't know if I have anything else to say. Maybe that's yeah. it. You know, I don't know if I missed like you're saying the adventure and the, the camaraderie and all the gypsy aspects of touring or did I miss performing comedy and writing stand-up? Because I sure wasn't writing during lockdown. And fortunately, you know, um, once I started doing shows again, I started writing and I was like, oh, okay, I still do like doing this job and I still do like have that nugget of whatever the fuck makes me write. So that's reassuring to know. But for a while, I really didn't know. I really didn't know if after, you know, I knew I was responsible to record this special because I had a contract and stuff, but I, I think that might've been it, you know, maybe I'll just, that's it. So there's also, man, there's something to be said for, for fucking quitting. You know, yeah. I think of so many bands that should have put out one record and fucking broken up immediately. Mm -hmm. You know, the, this fucking, the Neil Young Spotify thing, the Neil Young's put out 50 records. I feel like I'm a bigger Neil Young fan than a lot of people that I know. I don't know 20 of those. I don't, I probably be, I probably don't know 10 of those, you know, many of them I, are not good. <laughs> and that's the thing is that, you know, like the, you know, Stephen King, Neil Young, Dylan, you know, these, these people who just, you know, put out, you know, so much shit. The, mm -hmm. sometimes I feel like they're, they're not doing it because they have, they have a burning, you know, I, this, um, uh fuck what uh i'll be gone 
I've been making my, my farewell record for like the last four records. The, but that was supposed <laughs> to be it. And I was like, I was done. I was like, okay, yeah. this, is it. this is the last thing, you know, the, and then that thing happened that we'll never talk about the, mm-hmm. and then I was like, Oh, now I have a new record and it's sure. themed. <laughs> um, the, but before that I was like, no, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to do another record just to do another record because you know, the, right. uh, like I'll fucking deliver newspapers or something instead of yeah. like, okay, I'm going to write a song about September. You know, the, don't do that. It, it, do the, if you want to get your brain moving again, do those writing prompts like you were fucking taking X lax or something, you know, it was right. like a, a laxative for your brain. The, but don't, you don't need to bring everybody into the bathroom to show them what you made. Yeah. <laughs> if, you know what exactly. I mean? If it's just, if it's just for motion, if it's just for clearing shit out, you know, then, um, then don't publish it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah 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 absolutely right absolutely right on on that note though yeah yeah. um (laughs) (laughs) i i have to say that i'm really looking forward to your new special because um the you and i have done so many rough shows together yeah that i um i developed a tremendous amount of admiration for you as a performer and as a comic for um, watching you time and time again, it's fucking Sunday, Monday, Tuesday shows in these mm. little shitty little redneck bars or like comedy nights at fucking Texas Taco Hut, um, where you could um, get an audience from fucking first gear into second gear. And that's so hard. Or you could slip from third gear into second and then get them back into third gear, you know, mm-hmm. and that that's so close to my heart because I've been fighting that fight my whole life. And then seeing you out here, dude, you just went like you, sh- you got right into it, got right up to cruising speed and then stayed there for fucking 45 minutes yeah. uh, at a chilly, smoky outdoor <laughs> show, you know, the Being attacked by a cat. <laughs> That's my favorite moment ever. Forgot about that. I'm so glad you got that photo. It was amazing. That's the only reason to record those shows. I should record the shows with no audio, so people. Yeah, but you got the photo, so that's all that matters. It's yeah. To frame that. Well, first of all, thanks, because you're. You know, I always say, you know, obviously, I want people to like it, but there's some opinions matter more than others, and you know, we work together a lot, so thanks. Uh, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, part of that is just doing it so long. Part of it is. Um, you know, like any career, the more you go, the more up you want to go as far as, <laughs> I always say as far as challenge and also comfort level, right? Like uh, you, you want the deals to be better and the, the hotel to be there and, and you know, the, the a, a green room with a door so you can get your head together and shit, which aren't things, that's not a lot to ask, but also the stakes are higher because this ticket price is a little more. And, you know, if I'm doing shows, you know, I do a lot of shows with, Eddie Pepitone, I'm going out for a weekend with Brian Posehn in a few weeks and just, you know, people at that level, you need to have your fucking game on. And I refuse to phone it in ever. You know, there's, there, everybody gets tired. Everybody has days where you don't feel like doing it. But I, I don't really allow myself the luxury of coasting, um, which I think, and even in the early days, that's just coming from being a black flag kid because I, I remember reading Get in the Van the Rollins, you know, tour journal thing about being in Black Flag. And he, one of his first shows, there's like 12 people there. And he fucking was like kind of bitching about turnout and phoned it in. And Chuck Dukowski took him backstage after that show and fucking laid into him. He might have even slapped him physically in the face. 
and was like, that is not how this band operates. You fucking, those people showed up and that is the show you give to those 12 people or whatever. And so that always stuck with me. Um, and, you know, I'm going to be fucking 46 in a week or so. You're going to be 52. And so yeah. we- Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Kristen Becker's going to be 57. We're, we're, we're all getting older, but no. I'm going to be 39 again. <laughs> there's a, ew, gross. I prefer my 40s, but anyway. Uh, that's not true. I like my 30s too. But anyway, um, I feel like the. I feel like in your set, you've relaxed into your anxiety about yeah. uh, about the whole evening. You know, like one of the experiences you have um, when you're running a, a marathon or a 50K race or something like that is there's going to be that part at mile 18 or mile 19 where you haven't eaten enough, but that yeah. your body doesn't process it as that. You process it as this is bullshit. This is meaningless. I'm never running again. I fucking hate everyone. The I'm going to burn my car. And then somebody gives you a, a fuck, couple of Twizzlers and you're like, oh, I'm okay. You know, right. but so when you prepare for that, prepare for the, Oh, did I shit my pants? I don't think I did. Maybe I did. I don't know. I'll find out, you know, that, right. um, that knowing that, that knowing that to be prepared for surprises, knowing that surprises are coming, you know, and yep. when, um, when bad, bad shit pops up, the, just being able to you, like the fuck the cat attacking you, you're like this is part <laughs> of the set now, yeah. you know, yeah. I mean, the, the analogy I think you gave is perfect though. And too, in terms of, you know, the, the, the shifting of gears thing and that, because it is very much like that, you know, you do want to, but that's just a matter of having done it so long. You can kind of read the room and be like, all right, I need to get their attention right away. You know, and that was something in Eureka too. The, the locals were very nice, but a lot of them were green, you know, newer comics and stuff. And so not that I was starting from a hole every at all, but I had to immediately, I knew I had to set the tone and get the room and then you can just do your job. You know, that's how I always view it. Like you need to have that kind of stage command presence thing. And so that's a, to a degree mechanics and it's a degree of just who I am and who you are. It's just, you know, that ability to be like, hey, motherfuckers, listen, and I promise not to waste your time. That's how I always try to approach it. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, and so, but then a lot of goes into that too. It's like, well, you know, the first night in Eureka, I did about 52, 53 minutes. The second night I did like an hour 10. It's like, you got to know when to not overstay your welcome too. You know, you got to, you know, but where it becomes indulgent. But I feel very, you know, with Eddie, when we're out on the road, I do 30 minutes a night, which is great because I can mix it up and, you know, all this sort of stuff. Right now I've got this new hour and I'm enjoying doing an hour a night. You know, that, that was, that's a long time to be on stage just talking. Yeah. Uh, and so. I would um, never do that. I would never, I would never commit to doing an hour <laughs> without my fucking guitar without my prop yeah it felt good i mean it's but I, I was one i was curious you know the biggest thing for me going into taping the special was well it's been a long fucking time since i've done an hour set and like i have all the material for this special but i hadn't put it in order because every night with eddie i would chop it up and do what i felt like doing that night i'm like i need to make this flow into a cohesive hour now i had to sit down and be like all right this to this to this to this to this and then uh, you know i i ran it two or three nights here with josh mcclain I did an hour a night for three nights before I flew away to tape it in Austin and stuff. And that was very helpful because it made me, you know, I was like, okay, I got this. I can just put it in order and do the beats. Um, but it, it was a little bit of a, oh shit moment because I'm like, I haven't pieced this into the order that I needed to be in. And that's like writing chapters for your book. You know, the book's written, but it's fucking all over the place. That's not a book. 
And so, um, but I was again, very pleasantly surprised that I'm like, oh yeah, I can still do this for, you know, a headlining set. Um, it's it's so funny because, you know, on, a, on the one hand, like the, uh, you want to be seasoned, you want to be like hot, you want to be, you know, you want to be warmed up, you want to be doing it, you want to have fucking 10 days or two weeks under your belt before you record a thing. Um, but also then sometimes the best night is, you know, the when I'm recording stuff in the studio, the all my best vocal takes have been the first take. Yep. Um, the, the way that we got Chad Shank to record his vocals was I was like, oh, just do a take where I can hear the level of your voice or whatever. And he sang and I was like, I was like, ah, do one more. And he did one more. And, and then he was like, ah, guys, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, well, fine, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> like that. We yeah. got it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you can you can easily overthink and overcook it. Um, this this was the first special that I ever taped two shows that they could pull from. Um, every other special I've done has been one and you get it and it's the tightrope and then you work with what you got. Cause otherwise it kind of felt like cheating to me, which is fucking stupid because every special you've ever seen is usually pieced together from more than one show that yeah. almost, you know, sorry to be the man behind the curtain here in the great land of Oz, but that's just how it's done. Um, uh, that being said, the first show I knew that we got it. And so yeah. the second show I coasted, well, I didn't coast. That's, that's not fair to the audience. I, I knew in my head, the first show's the one. And so the second show, like if we, if it was good, cool, that's gravy. But I knew I was like, that's the one. And I didn't, you know, this special that is coming out, it's not culminated from it two shows. There's no infusion of laughs and stuff. It's a straight, yeah. it's the recording. You know, there's a little bit of editing in terms of, uh, you know, transitional stuff. If somebody makes a weird noise in the crowd or I do a, um, uh, ooh, uh, you know, yeah. whatever. But there was very little of that too. It just it just flowed, and I was like, "That's it." You know, sometimes you just get it. It's it's funny recording a live thing because you know when I had my live record in uh, in Memphis, yeah, the, that was coming off of. I think you and I were racing to do as many shows as we could that year. And I, <laughs> yeah, I like, were, yeah, one hundred forty five or you know something like that. Crazy. Uh, um, and uh, and I was coming off of. I think, you know, three weeks of like out to the coast and then back. Um, and I was like, just sort of running all the shit in my head and, you know, doing, playing different shows, but, and while you're performing in somebody's living room, that's not the, set, the same set or the same songs that you're going to perform, you know, for the, the special or whatever it is. Yep. And then um, I listened back to that recording, which again, Josh McLean had a hand in that thing would not have happened without him. Um, and I listen back to it and I'm like, man, I wish it was twice as many people in a room, half the size, because I can hear the size of the room. Um, but also I'm so, I'm so glad that we didn't like beef up the applause or because you want it to be, you want it to be perfect, but also if it's, if it's perfect, it's fucking CGI. You it's, know, exactly. It's, you need to have the warts and all to capture. You can't capture the magic of a live show without really being there. You know, that, yeah. you, there's some intangibles you're never going to capture. It doesn't matter if it's filmed. You're just going to not get the same experience. But you can come as close to a proximity as possible. And some of that is just, you know, there. People ask me why I was so intent on recording this special in Florida. You know, part of it's because it's called Swamp Beast, and it had a lot of Florida material-based crazy shit that went down when I was there. Um, and so part of me was like, well, to record that somewhere else, then I'm just shitting on 
a, a state that out of state, that just sounds elitist and lame to me. And I yeah. also just knew that by doing it there to their face, it would either elevate it or, you know, to that, like, oh, fuck, we know we we live here. Yeah. Or it would be combative in a way that would be interesting to me in that, like, well, fuck you, dude, what are you coming here for? You know? And, and so but there just was a point the shit all over you. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but either way, I'm like, at least it's honest, you know, and at least I'm fucking saying to these people's face and not like from over there. And so that was part of the reason I wanted to do it. But also I really, really like Gainesville, Florida. I have fun shows there. The crowd is very smart and, you know, I, it's on the record. I address it because there's a bit where I talk about this toddler getting eaten by an alligator at Disney world. And the, I got an applause break, you know, they were like all in on this and some places people tighten up immediately on that. And understandably it's a dark topic. Uh, and it's, it's not, I'm not kind of, you could, you could argue I'm pointing and going, ha ha dumb kid, but not really. I'm really more making fun of the 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 different ingredients that led to that happening and the subsequent aftermath but it's it was a moment on the record that i I was so happy was in there you know because it's early in the set and i was like this is why i'm here because you guys fucking get it and you're like yeah like you know this not not hooray the kid got eaten but like this is where we live man it's like it's like (laughs) australians being like you know oh yeah yeah, sharks you know you know what i mean yeah here's a spider eating a shark um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You were were warned, you know, you have to our terrain. And so um, geography and all those things definitely, I think, inform a show. And the fact, you know, some of the best shows we've had are living room shows as far as memorability and fun. That that show in your backyard was so much fucking fun, man. And I'm so glad. Dude, that that, that just like did my heart good because I've, um, you know, done so many shows some of them were terrible some of them were great most of them were in between and kind of forgettable but there are people like my friend jim booth in new orleans um the and uh just random people who i met once and i'm like oh yeah i'm doing this weird show in fucking pensacola you know like who knows you know the and then it's fucking magical it's amazing you know the joplin missouri i did a a couple of house shows there that were just like just incredible the um and so that i mean i maybe the 40s thing is the um to be giving back to try and provide that stage for other people, you know, when um, uh, when Becker and Megan DePonso were coming through here and they were having like one shit night after another, yeah. it felt so good to to provide them with a a stage, a working PA, um, you know, some people to listen to them, some drinks, some food, a safe place to sleep, you know, all that shit the because there have been so many times where you know where i've done shows and they're like hey we, we got a place for you to crash you know um well here it is we pulled up all the carpet because the dog's pissed everywhere just throw your sleeping bag down in you know like, man fuck oh, you <laughs> like, yeah i have uh, literally crawled into a basement crawl space to hide from the people in the house because they wanted to party and stay up and i'm like i need to oh, fucking yeah. slip. you know like like pulled apart part of a wall and slid in <laughs> hid because you know I, I wish we had one of those we could just bring with us like a, a acne hole from, from like wiley coyote, <laughs> coyote? <laughs> oh i forgot my toothbrush in the van i'll be right back right <laughs> yeah yeah 
So, um, yeah, I mean, but all those things, it's fun to look at now, you know, but also it's like, I don't want to do that now. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, I was so happy and so relieved to see you and hack that like, had no one shown up for that night, I would have been, I would have been totally fine. And we would have made you like do your whole fucking hour anyway. Oh, that, I was going to do the hour no matter what, like, there, <laughs> there's, you know, we kept saying, you know, feel it out. And I, part of me is like, yeah, I'm not going to hold anybody hostage, but also like, I'm doing the fucking hour. I haven't been here in a while. Yeah. You guys haven't seen half of it. Hack hasn't seen much of it. Um, and so but there is a thing that happens where it, it coheres or it gels or it doesn't, you know, the, there's gotta be X number of people or X number of listening ears, you know, and then the um, it's like the, the spider silk connects or whatever. And then the thing that happens is a show, you know? Um, and uh, yeah. And that's the dice roll. You know, I mean, I, I flew into the plus and the minus of flying to Gainesville. I, you know, I headlined the fest there, their comedy aspect few years ago um 2019 so you know i hadn't been back there in like three years you know and it was like uh, i know i have a decent base of fans there but that's a long that the three covid years ago is a fucking lifetime ago yeah i don't even know if they're alive you know for real and so um yeah this is my first time working with a new label and i was like i hope people show up (laughs) fucking i really hope there's people there because i know if they do that i can do the job and it'll be fine but I don't know, man, even with, you know, promoting and, and feeling confident in the base, you know, it's a lot of comics that I knew there have moved away and all this shit. And so I was happy that, you know, especially the early show people came out. And so it was like, you know, you can hear it on the album. And so I, I feel very fortunate about that. That never really goes away in terms of like, I wonder if anybody's going to show up tonight, you know, like uh, Eureka, you know, like fucking I, I'd never been there before. You know, I've been doing comedy a long time. I'm, I'm a somewhat known as far as word of mouth. Um, and I'm like, you know, how's the scene up here? And the guy said, oh, the week before we had zero pre-sales for the guy the whole weekend. But then like 30 people a night walked in. I was like, okay. And I think I had like 15 or 20 pre-sales on Saturday and a handful on Friday. And I was like, well, okay, that's something, you know? Um, and then with walk up, it was good. But Friday, you know, 20 people, you can view that two ways, right? You can go, ah, 20 people. Yeah. What am I doing here? Or you can view it as, hey, that's 20 people that are here to see me that in this weird ass small town isolated, you know, like that's not bad, <laughs> you know, yep. that's, that, I'll take that. And then the next night when there's, you know, whatever, triple that or whatever, it's like, okay, you know, uh, it, it's it easy always, to take it for granted. It always, every, single show for me still feels like evil Knievel landing a fucking stunt yep. where you're like, Holy shit, we did it. You know, the, um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's always, uh, you know, the fucking triple axle McTwist, you know, even if it's just, if it's 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever, the, I can count the number, you know, shows on one hand where afterwards I was like, ah, fucking easy breezy. You know, the, I'm, I always feel like I'm about to throw up, like I'm about, mm-hmm. I'm about to shit my pants, like a cocaine rabbit leg, you know? The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, damn. but still there's Ozzy Osbourne, you know, like there's multiple people that, you know, Ozzy has crazy stage fright and is always like, yeah, Rollins has a great story about that. You know, Rollins band was opening for Ozzy and, you know, right before 
uh, Ozzy went on, you know, Rollins band just finished playing and he goes to Henry. He's like, is anybody out there? It's like, yeah, there's fucking 12,000 people screaming your name. You know, he's like, I just think no one's ever going to show up, you know? So that never goes away. And also, you know, I was out in LA, like I said, the last week and a half or so. And I went to the comedy store a few times with my friends and you know, they're doing sets and stuff. And I see comics that are known Netflix special comics playing what you could argue is the most revered club in the world, you know, comedy store, LA hollowed ground. And some of them had tough sets, you know, for 15 minutes. That never goes away either. You know, there's, there's no coasting in this gig. There's no, you could have even there's a, a, I'm not a big Seinfeld fan, but his documentary comedian was very interesting to me in that, you know, he's somebody that despite his millions is compelled to do stand up like a Chris Rock or whoever, they just, it's what they have to do. Um, and there was, you know, he would say, you do a guest spot, an announced thing. And yeah, people are excited, but within the first five minutes, you've expelled that kind of rocket fuel and that currency. And now you just have to still do the material. You know, the goodwill is expanded and you're coasting. And there's, there's plenty of actors that say, oh, I'm gonna try stand-up and coast into that. And then I think they realize that after a while, you know, if you're gonna headline as um, Jeremy Piven, who's somebody that does spots around LA and I watched one night and you know, you're, you're handsome Jeremy Piven from whatever the fuck movies and TV. Well, for a while, people are gonna come see you because you're Jeremy Piven, but that doesn't mean Jeremy Piven can be funny for 40 minutes <laughs> as, as obligated by contract A, you know what I mean? And so I, I it's kind of a beautiful system in that it, it's always, it's like the, uh, what do they call them? The, uh, endless swimming pools or whatever you know it's it's like it's always stationary yeah you know it's yeah. always stationary. you can hit a level you'll hit a level of uh burt kreischer level or a stanhope level or any of these people that you know you can put tickets on sale and motherfuckers will show up and to a degree that you know they're definitely you're definitely not patting the deck because you earn that fan base but like they're invested in you doing well they want you to succeed they're not yeah. there to throw the show they're not indifferent but if you still fucking bomb or you just turned in a bad show, they're Don't not going to be happy. You know, you're not going to just be able to phone it in and have people be like, that was worth my $60 or whatever the ticket price was for that night. You know, they may go, well, I'm glad I got to see my, you know, default comedy hero and stuff. And yeah, he took his shirt off and, you know, <laughs> yeah, he had the plaid suit on or whatever the fuck. But next time they come around, you might be like, well, I kind of saw him and 60 bucks is 60 bucks. You know, you can't phone it in. Um, there's, you know, there's, there's that story about the, um, you know, this little kid's talking to his grandfather and he's like, you know, I saw this thing and I don't understand it. You know, he said this flock of crows came down from the sky and they landed in a field and like one of the crows sort of like got up and, and sort of squawked and hopped around and stuff while all the other ones watched him. And then when he finished, they like flew off into the sky and then the next day I saw the same thing happen and the flock of crows landed and, and one crow got up and like, you know, got up and hopped and, and squawked and stuff. And then when he was done, the other crows fell on him and tore him apart and ate him. And the, the kids like, you know, telling his grandma, like, what is this? I have, I can't understand what happened. And the grandfather says, well, that crow was telling a story. And the second time they didn't believe him. You know? <laughs> yeah. And that's really, yeah. what we, you know, what yeah. we I mean, do is that they'll, they'll eat us. You know, if you build up that audience and then you burn it, 
they won't just bail they'll eat you you know well yeah yeah because they feel betrayed in a way and i get that completely yeah. you know yeah, it takes a lot for somebody to support and you know be your cheerleader in a way uh you know and and that's a i don't know it, it sounds ridiculous to say a sacred thing because i don't go that far with it but it's it's a it's a, a respect thing you know like the concept of if you're in this especially if you're on the road and you know you're in the city for one night if you fucking phone it in shame on you you know and everybody yeah. has nights where they're off everybody has nights where they they're sick or not feeling i i flew in uh over the summer i did a bunch of shows in denver and fort collins and then i had to fly to wisconsin to do a show near green bay and uh originally you know it was eddie and i and my good friend Kristen lighty was featuring or hosting on those shows and eddie got an hbo thing and so he had to cancel on two shows so they bumped me up just to headline and i got altitude sickness you know and i flew in and I had like, my stomach was a mess. I was, you know, super tired. I had chills, all this crazy shit. I had never had altitude sickness that bad before. And, you know, I was taking COVID tests. It was all negative, but I was just fucked up. And I had to still do 45 minutes to an hour, you know, <laughs> like right off the plane pretty much. And, you know, I could cancel, but then it's like, well, when do I get back here? And, you know, I did the show, but it was like, and it went fine. You know, I didn't, I asked Kristen, I'm like, did anybody notice? She's like, no, it was fine. But then I just collapsed afterwards. You know, I just like got out of there and went to bed and didn't get up for two days. And so there's a degree of, <laughs> again, that self cleaning oven, you know, it's like, how bad do you want this fucking job? And if you, it's, it's very much either do it or shut up because nobody cares, you know, <laughs> like nobody cares. <laughs> Nobody cares. You don't like it. It's hard. Good. Quit. Yeah. No one will give a fuck. You know, and, and that's all the levels. You know, yeah. somebody as brilliant as Kyle Kinane, who often, you know, will, I think, you know, struggle a little bit with like, oh, do I want to do this? He's often quoted on Twitter and stuff as saying, I'd rather perform to 50 people that get it than 500 dummies, you know? And yeah. I, I truly believe that. You, you know, Kyle, you know, he's a very salt of the earth, down the earth dude. But I also, you know, if Kyle decided, hey, you know what, fuck this. I've accomplished more than I ever thought I would. This, I don't like this industry anymore. I've said all I need to say. I'm gonna hang it up from comedy. I'm gonna focus on mountain biking and fixing mountain bikes because he's into that shit. Or I'm gonna be the <laughs> Gordon's fisherman fish stick spokesman or whatever he's gonna do, right? I would be very sad about that because I think he's brilliant. I think he has a lot more to offer. Yeah. A lot of people would be very sad about that. But in six months, people will go like, well, <laughs> on to who's working. You know, yeah. they wouldn't be sitting yeah. around go pining, going, I hope Kyle comes back someday. They'd just be like, hey, you know, who the fuck else is out there doing stuff right now? Because, yeah, yeah, I get it. That's, you know, who's, who's it, time moves on, man. And to make any sort of headway in these careers that we do, music, writing, comedy, I, I get good lessons and perspective from other comics a lot because on one hand comics will often ask me stuff you know advice or whatever and i try and answer that as much as i can also there's you know you know how it can be it can be taxing sometimes where you just have so much going on it can be you know can you look at my video and give me pointers like oh I, <laughs> it, I, it sounds arrogant to say that but it's just it can just be draining in a way it's, it's a emotional currency right yeah but you know, talking to these younger comics too, sometimes you get to view where you're at through their eyes 
and you know what you're like yeah you know this is my job and just the concept of that is like holy sh like you, that's you've you've surpassed all the fish you know you, you're you're the sperm in the lead right yeah. <laughs> and there's there's plenty of there's plenty of babies out there that have already been made but you're doing okay you know the concept of you know you and i've talked about it you get down on oh nobody wants to press my vinyl or or, or i was for a while i was just like you know I'm, I'm, did I make the right choice going to a, this new label? And, you know, will that be a, a smart play or will it be a, a play that ends up biting me in the ass because it killed another relationship that was firmly in my corner? I, you know, but the fact that we even have those as considerations means we're doing all right. <laughs> the yeah. fact that you've had people already press a bunch of vinyl, yeah. you know, the fact that some people have never had that ever. You know what I mean? Some people have never uh you know opened for Stanhope one time and we've toured with him you know like there's there's a lot of not to not to come back to Doug but that's just how you and I met so using that as a point of whatever you yeah. know and it's easy to um not have that perspective and so even when I get in my own head I'm like uh damn it I wanted this thing or I'm just spinning my wheels and I'm not you know leveling up because i always wanted to climb a little bit even if it's a slow incline i wanted to keep you know you don't want to just plateau right yeah um but there's always a degree of like well motherfucker you still got this this and this you know be, be happy anyone cares and i'll be goddamned if i'm gonna take for granted the people that actually do care <laughs> you know like there's there's no way i'm gonna let myself uh sleepwalk through something just because you know i'm not feeling it that night yeah. You know, you know Wayne Coyne, I, sorry, Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips, I talked to him one time and he was like, yeah, some people have bad days and, you know, that's fine. And if you're watching, uh, renting a special on TV, you know, he said a movie, does. we approach performing like a movie. A movie doesn't have a mood, you know, a movie is I pay $12 and the movie plays. So if I'm having a bad day or whatever, that's fine. And I can deal with that after showtime, but people that came here paid their money. They say, all right, motherfucker, it's time to fucking rock. And he said, that's when we start blowing up balloons and put on a fucking show. You know, it just, it's, it's, it's kind of not, I mean, the nature of performance is you're your own boss ultimately. Right. That's the, that's the, that's the win of artistic expression is that you're doing it on your terms at whatever level, but you can self-sabotage that way, but then that's on you you know, fucking dial it in, be a professional, do the show, and then go fucking cry. <laughs> you know, like, uh, then, then go beat yourself, <laughs> self-flag about how much you hate what you're doing. <laughs> that's our, uh, that's our vibe to walk on, dude. The... Yeah, my, ba my battery's getting ready to die on my laptop, too. So. Okay, good, good. <laughs> the, um, do you have anything you want to plug real quick? Um, so yeah, well, the new album Swamp Beast will be out on 800 pound gorilla records. It's on, you know, uh, like I said, satellite radio and stuff, the 18th of February, they have a pre-order and stuff up soon to buy it, uh, which will be out on the 25th of February on all Amazon platforms and all that shit worldwide. So that's the big thing right now. I'm starting work on a new book, which is exciting. Um, and aside from that, I just have, I'll be out with Brian Posehn in Indianapolis, and other parts of Indiana at the beginning of March. And I'll be out with Eddie Pepitone in April in California and other places. 
So jtcomedy.com has all my bullshit. Awesome. I, um, the next, next house show I have coming up is February 19th with Kyle Pogue. Um, our, of comedy. Our, our birthday party that you skipped out on, uh, Christina <laughs> will also be there. The, after that, I, um, the book should be done soon, uh, doing demos for the new record. I'll be doing a tour from here out to Ohio with Lou Poster, um, towards the end of June. And, uh, I encourage everybody to write to JT and tell him, write your will, motherfucker, because <laughs> memento mori, <laughs> which is the Latin translation of your mother knows that one day you will die. <laughs> I'm going to bequeath all of my baggage to you. <laughs> awesome. Uh, dude, I, I think we did it. The, I think so. Maybe I'll leave the mic rolling for another minute now. Maybe I'll leave it rolling for another minute to try and catch you saying something racist on uh, on the recording. The but that's uh, that's a wrap. Well, that's you said you have Kyle Pogue coming in soon. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe I don't want to take away his fire. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I should probably just stop talking. <laughs> All right, good to talk to you, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. Right. Love you, man. Later. Yeah. Bye.